Good afternoon. This is Juan with Blue Collar Ministry. It is December the 20th, 2023, and this is part two of Overcoming Sin. Okay, so in part one, I discussed how to overcome sin, um, you know, of course, via, via the Bible, uh, you know, with prayer, with fasting, uh, with being humble, um, everything, you know, the Bible tells us to do, and we did uh, reference verses to that. But now here in part two, uh, we're going to talk about the deliverance ministry. So this is the main thing right here. If you are battling sin, you know, you're doing everything you feel like you're supposed to do. You know, you're getting into the word, you're fasting, uh, you're, you know, praying, you're tight, you know, you're doing everything, you know, as you know, the Bible dictates, tells you to do, sorry. Um, but yet you still seem to be in bondage over something. You know, maybe a certain sin, uh, whatever that may be. Maybe that is um, uh, anger, um, anxiety, um, lust, uh, anything, any other type of addictions that might be bond, um, keeping you in bondage. There might be maybe a little something more to that than you know we're we uh, normally hear you know at church. You know, because at, at church, especially in, in the Western church, Western churches here. In America, uh, depending where you're listening from, we basically just say, you know, to fight, you know, fight everything with, you know, prayer, with fasting, you know, with reading your Bible, spending time with the Lord. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. However, in Jesus's ministry, about one third of his ministry, you know, him and the apostles, they spent time casting out demons. Okay, now that probably might make people feel ext extremely uncomfortable right there. Um, but it is a thing. It is not uh, a possession thing like, uh, you know, in the movies, like those exorcist movies where that person's completely out of control. But in the Bible, um, the Greek word, I, oh man, I'm looking at it and I can't really pronounce it, but it's diomazomal, something like that, which basically the word translates to uh, demonized. Or, in other words, demon oppressed. No, because if we are filled with the Spirit, um, we cannot be completely possessed by another entity, another, you know, but, however, they can have a certain influence influence um, in, in our lives. Um, and we're going to go ahead and go over some verses that will, you know, state this. Uh, because it is, like I said, I know I grew up in um, about three or four, you know, three decades of church. And I never once heard that this was a thing. I didn't even know what deliverance was or anything about casting out demons. I figured that was just something for non-believers. Um, but little did I know I was wrong because, like I said, that was a very big part of uh, Jesus' ministry. So we're going to start. We're going to break it down, go very slow. Because for some people that are just getting exposed to this, it might make you feel very un uncomfortable. So I'm going to break it down. And specifically, you know, hit these verses, you know, where, you know, these instances um, happened in the Bible where there were actual believers that were, you know, influenced or um, infected, infected, uh, oppressed by, uh, you know, demonic spirits. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and start, start off with Mark 1, 39. And this right here, it speaks of Jesus Jesus Christ going from synagogue to synagogue, casting out demons. Okay, first, before we actually move on, 
we're going to break down what a Jew, and I'm sorry, it's a Jewish, Jewish synagogue. So we're going to break down the actual definition of what a Jewish synagogue was in the time of the Bible times, or still maybe even now. And that was, it was a building where it was a Jewish assembly or congregation that meets for religious worship and instruction. Okay. So right there, it's safe to say that in a synagogue where they meet for religious worship and instruction, that they are believers in God. So you'll then ask yourself, okay, well, why was he going out there casting out demons if, you know, supposedly, you know, the common thing is to say that Christians can't have or be affected, you know, by demons. Now, I'm talking about possession. I'm talking about oppression, right? When it clearly says here, you know, why else, why would Jesus do something, you know, that supposedly a lot of people tell, say that's not even a thing. And when it said he went from Jewish synagogue to synagogue casting out demons. So that clear right, right there shows that, it, yes, it is indeed a thing. And that it is something we do need to take notice. Okay, next verse, we're going to go to Matthew 16. Uh, this was a discussion between Jesus and Peter. And that's where Jesus said to Peter, he rebuked him. He said, Satan, get behind you. And that was a conversation they had where he didn't like what Peter said to him. And then that's what, that's what he replied with. And then first, uh, we'll go move on to 1 Peter 5. Uh, and that's Peter speaking to the church. He says, be sober because Satan is looking for someone to devour. Okay, and here's another one. 1 Timothy 4, for the Holy Spirit states that there will be a time when believers will abandon their faith and fall to deceiving spirits and thoughts, and I'm sorry, and things taught by demons. Okay, and you could, you're wondering to yourself, why would that happen? How could that happen? And it's not a coincidence that Jesus and the apostles throughout the Bible talk over and over about being deceived and about, you know, demonic, you know, demonic thoughts and demonic influence. And as you can see right now, in today's age, we're seeing that, you know, happen in our very eyes. We're seeing that, you know, in, in the end parts of the Bible just kind of unfolding when we're seeing these deceased, uh, deceased, uh, ah, sorry, deceiving, you know, ideals going through churches where they're speaking not stuff, they're speaking other things that are not in the Bible, they're trying to add to the Bible, and they're deceiving people. Okay, now this is, um, this next one is Matthew 15, uh, it's going to be verses 21 through 28, and I'm going to summarize it first before, before I read it, and this is where um, Jesus is in Canaan, a woman from Canaan. Um, he meets her. She, uh, she has a child that's demon, um, you know, demon possessed. Well, the Bible says demon possessed. I don't know if it's actually possessed or oppressed, uh, depending on the translation. But here I'm going to talk, I'm going to break it down a little bit afterwards and kind of show how, you know, that, that relates to us as believers. Okay, so this is Matthew 15, 21 through 28. And it says, And behold, a woman of Canaan came from a region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I will not accept to the to the lost sheep of Israel, of the house of Israel. 
And she came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed uh, that very hour. Okay. So the significance of this right here, because when you will present these to some people that, um, you know, don't really believe in the gifts, don't believe that Christians can be affected in any way by demonic entities, um, right here, she's clearly a believer because he says, because of your faith, you get what you desire, right? Because of her faith, right? So what does faith mean that she believed in him? She called him master. And earlier, he says it's not good to take the children's bread. What was that children's bread? You know, this is a gift that we as believers can exercise to keep our other, you know, to keep our people, our people, you know, to keep other believers out of bondage. So if we see someone, someone suffering from anxiety, someone suffering from anything else, we do have that power and authority under Jesus Christ, you know, to rid them of, of that uh, demonic oppression, which I'll also get back, I'll get to in a little bit, a little bit later. Um, but saying right here, she's clearly a believer. So if anyone wants to take that verse and be like, well, well, the, the, the main issue is a lot of people say, and all these verses that I'll present, a lot of people just want to say that they were all non-believers and it doesn't make any sense because why would there be, you know, for one, and the, the, the first one I start off with, why would there be non-believers at a Jewish synagogue? That's the same thing, like, why would you see a bunch of atheists or, you know, whatever it is, just hanging out at church, you know, for no reason, right? Believing. And why would a, and the same thing as, you know, uh, when someone would come to you, you're never going to see an atheist come to you and be like, oh, can you please rid me of this problem that I'm having, you know, based on the faith that I don't believe and the God I don't believe in. <clears throat> it just doesn't make sense. So it's specifically clear that in all these verses we're going to list, I'm going to speak about that clearly these people were believers, they believe in God, and later on, you know, because these are some um, Old Testament um there are going to be some Old and New Testament verses. So, you know, also that that thing where it was only an Old Testament thing or it's only this and this. You know, clearly, you know, these examples are from people that believed in God or believed in Jesus Christ. You know, same thing throughout the Old and New Testament. Okay, but it was right there where it said, by her faith, she was healed. People that have faith, they believe. She called him master, therefore she was a believer. Okay, let's move on. And then also another thing I do, I do want to, um, I'm going to cover it in, in another verse, but right there when he said the children's bread is like, why would Jesus want to cast out demons from a person that's not filled with the Holy Spirit? You know, because the demon would just go right back in because you're not filled with anything. You get what I'm saying? So... And there's going to be a verse that's going to tie to that also, but I just wanted to add that in there. Okay, let's see. 
Let's move around, move along here. Okay. And this one is talking about also about the spirit being contaminated. And this is 2 Corinthians 7, 1. It says, therefore, since we have promises, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates the body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of the reverence of God. That's so right there. They're saying that there can be a contamination there. So for someone that says that's not completely possible, like any type of influence is impossible, it's clearly stating right here that we need to get out that contamination. And this can be, you know, when we talk about, you know, demon possession, I'm not sorry, demon possession, demon oppression. If you think about it, I mean, and the Bible will talk about it. If you enter, if you open that door, you know, to the, to Satan and his demons, you know, you're giving that opportunity for, you know, for these demons to come in. Like if you think about it, um, you know, anything, if you're, you know, fornication, you know, pornography, uh, serious alcohol or drug abuse, whenever you, uh, you're there playing on Satan's playground, you know, it only would make sense that right there, that makes sense that you are opening a door, you know, and giving, you know, permission by doing these things for these demons, you know, to get, to get contaminated into your spirit. Okay. Another verse, Acts 5, 3. And that was uh, Peter to Ananias. He said, how, how is it that Satan filled your heart and you have lied to the Holy Spirit? Huh. Excuse me. Okay, and that was Peter to Ananias. Okay, and here's Paul to the church in 2 Corinthians 11, where he states, I fear that you would receive a different spirit other than the Holy Spirit. So he's warning them there. He's clearly giving them a warning. Okay, here's uh, also the, the, the other thing I wanted to reference. And this is Matthew 12, 43 through 45. And it states, when an impure, impure spirit comes into a person, it goes through and rid places seeking rest and does not find it. And then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds a house unoccupied, swept clean and, and put in order. Then it goes and takes, I'm sorry, unoccupied. I don't know if I read that part. Unoccupied, you know, like without the Holy Spirit. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in there and live. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. That is how it will be with the, this wicked generation. So right there, you know, clearly... Why would it be a gift for non-believers if it's clearly, uh, math, uh, right here in Matthew, it's clearly stating that if you're not filled with anything, you know, so, so us as believers, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, yes, we may contaminate it from time to time by maybe opening those doors, you know, with whatever, you know, sin we might have, but we are filled with the Holy Spirit. So, okay, so if you think about that, you know, why would he make a gift that where you can deliver a person from a demon if you know seven more or many more are just going to come back because they're not filled with anything you would just be you know completely damning that person at that point okay now let's move on to matthew 10 5 through 8 and this is when uh, jesus is giving um instructions to his 12 disciples okay here's and this is matthew 10 5 through 8 do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. 
As you go, proclaim the message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have you have received, freely give. And of course, right there, the, the lost sheep um, refers to the house of Israel bounded by the law of Moses. Okay, and then you're going to ask yourself right here, <clears throat> why would Jesus give orders um, to cast out demons if, you know, if it wasn't even possible in the first place? And these, you know, these these are believers because it says, you know, the, the lost sheep refers to, you know, the, the house of Israel that's bounded by, um, bounded by Moses' law. So those people are clearly believers. So if it wasn't possible, you know, why would they, why would he give them these instructions? If it wasn't potential for them to be, you know, demon ridden, basically. That's just also affirming that, yes, it is completely possible. Otherwise, you know, why would Jesus give a step that's not even needed, right? Okay, let's move on to Luke 13, 10 through 13. And this is talking about the spirit of infirmity. And that means that's a demon, um, a demon that's been granted power to inflict a disability. Okay, verse 10. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there is a woman which had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years and was bowed together and could no wise lift herself up. And when Jesus saw her, he called, he called her to him and he said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. So right here, that was Jesus. That was in a synagogue. So also, also clearly this woman was a believer. And you now the crazy thing is that the spirit, not only their spirits that, I mean, it's clearly stating right here that can affect you mentally and kind of influence your thoughts or put, you know, words in your head, but also physically, you know, they can act, this one states right here, this spirit actually, you know, gave her a disability, you know, for 18 years and he casted it out, you know, and then she was made straight. Okay, let's move on to, this is Philip in Syria and this is Acts 8, 4-8. Those who have been scattered preach the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard, heard Philip and saw the signs he perform, performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. And in pure, I'm sorry, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. So right there, you know, they came, you know, they were listening, they were paying attention to what he said, you know, they're having faith in the words that Philip was saying, and then he proceeded to, you know, to rid them of, you know, their sickness and cast out demons. Okay. So we're seeing, you know, a common pattern here, you know, that, you know, everyone that is coming, you know, to Jesus or someone given the authority under Jesus's name, they're coming to them, you know, with faith in Jesus, faith in God, you know, to heal them and get rid of their demons. Faith, that's, that's a key thing. They all had faith. And this is the, um, read the story of the lepers. Now, this really doesn't have to do with um, any de uh, demonic oppression, but it also goes back to, you know, the, the idea that, you know, the faith can heal. You can be healed through faith. Okay. And this is Luke 17, 
11 through 19. On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee, and he was going into he was going into a village. Ten men had leprosy uh, that met him. They stood at a distance, um, thir- and thir- thirteen called out. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, "Jesus, Master, have pity on us." When he saw them, he said, "Go show yourself to the priests." And they went, and and they were cleansed. And he said, the reason he said, go to the priest, because in common times, that was the proper procedure to being spiritually cleansed. You know, you had to get basically checked off by the priest, you know, whatnot. Okay, so he sent them, you know, he, they asked to be, you know, healed. So he sent them, you know, go show yourselves to the priests. And they went and, and you know, they were basically healed by just having faith in his orders of, you know, walking to the priest and telling him that he was healed. Okay, I'll keep going. Okay, and one of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? He has no, um, has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. So faith right there common theme okay now we're going to um, discuss because there is also that argument that well maybe these um this did happen you know maybe these gifts did exist maybe deliverance was a thing but it ended you know with the apostles in the new testament <clears throat> okay first for that too first corinthians ten thirteen. yeah love never fails but where there are prophecies they will cease where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the completeness comes, what in the part disappears? What is in part disappears? In another translation, it talks about um, that it'll cease when the perfectness arrives. Perfectness meaning, you know, Jesus. When he returns, and it's going to make sense why we're not going to need, you know, prophecies or need tongues or need healing when he comes because he's going to cure all and he's coming, you know, for his church. Okay, and that um, pretty much breaks it down. Um, but to just some key things, and this is very, like I said, it's very common. I did bring this up um, in the beginning for the none of these gifts to be practiced, you know, in the Western, you know, churches like Western, you know, part of the world and, you know, other parts of the world, you know, and I've spoken, you know, with people, you know, that have different ministries in different areas, you know, online, or, you know, I've, I've heard their testimonies and, you know, this is something that's, it's just wildly, widely, I'm sorry, accepted, except, you know, like I said, in the Western, Western area, you know, like in the Americas, why I don't know, but, it's just a thing like, and, not, and myself either, like I had no clue what deliverance was that is even possible to be, you know, um, demonically oppressed or whatnot. Um, and I had, you know, gone to church all my life, you know, I've gone to Presbyterian churches, to uh, Baptist churches, you know, to other non-denominational um, denominational churches, and I'd never heard deliverance. And it wasn't until I, you know, saw some ministers online talking about it. 
And I, even then, like I heard the word and I'm like, okay, I guess I just, that's some, you know, more hardcore version of praying, you know, for someone when they'd say, go seek deliverance. Um, but no, it, you know, it is a gift, you know, once I, and once I started reading the Bible, then it, you know, started making sense. Um, but you know, these gifts, because Jesus did not mean for his people, you know, to be in bondage. You know, this is, you know, this is not a thing. Yes, we are going to suffer in our own ways here on earth. You know, just like he says, because, of, you know, you'll be hated because of me or they hated me before you, you know, we're going to deal with our own stuff. We got to deal. But these things that keep us in bondage, you know, aren't those things that are going to be plaguing us. Yes, we do have to deal with our flesh. And I'm also going to break down, you know, what you could separate, you know, a flesh thing, a flesh sin, as opposed to what could be a, a demonic oppression. Okay, now the flesh, you know, the sins of the flesh, that's your physical self. You know, like say, whatever sins that you have a really big problem with, maybe it's anger, maybe it's lust, um, whatnot. That's something we have to deal with ourselves. And that usually comes by some sort of stimulant. You know what I'm saying? Like say you're, you know, you're at work and someone tells you something you don't like and you get that feeling of anger. You know, the Bible course says, you know, be angry if it's sin ye not. But you have that feeling of anger, but there is a stimulant for it. You know, you see that person, whether however you deal with it or not, you sin or you decide to not sin. You know, the Bible says you can be angry, just don't sin. But that is your flesh because there is something coming at you. You know, um, or maybe someone that deals with lust. You know, maybe they choose to watch a certain, you know, movie where they know that there's going to be some sort of nudity, Right. Or maybe they choose or not choose to look at a man or w woman in a certain way, you know, as they're walking down the street or at work or at the gym or wherever it may be, you know, that is your flesh. You're supposed to deny yourself. You know, if that is something you're dealing with and you have a problem with, you're supposed to deny yourself from looking right there. That is something, you know, you, you got to deal with on your own or if, see if you have a problem with. I'm just trying to think of other things, you know, gambling or other, you know, other addictions, you know, your flesh part. Say you have an issue with alcohol and you're hanging out at the bar, you see that beer, or you smell that beer or liquor, whatever it is, you know, that is your flesh that's giving you some sort of feeling. There's a stimulant, right? Okay, now with the demonic oppression, this is part of the easiest way I could break it down would be when there's no stimulant there, like, and I, you know, I dealt with this. I mean, other people that talk about it dealt with this too, where, you know, you might feel like there's something wrong with you. Like you're going to be praying. And I, and I used to do this. I used to pray I'm like, um, Jesus, what's, what's wrong with me? Why can't I get rid of this? I'm doing what I'm supposed to, you know, am I supposed to pray more? Am I supposed to tithe more? And I wasn't doing the actual acts anymore, but like it was constantly still in my head. Like I would finish reading my Bible, those thoughts would come up in my head and I'm like, what in the world is going on? That makes zero sense. And, you know, I just thought that there was something completely wrong with me until I, 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 you know, sought deliverance. And I mean, it was like night and day to not sound very, you know, weird. Like those thoughts and those voices just went away. Like they were gone. Like from night and day after deliverance, it was completely gone. You know, something that plagued me for decades of my life within an instance 
of this. And like I said, I've had, you know, people, people pray over me before I prayed my, uh, myself, you know, about this certain thing. And, you know, it just wouldn't go away until the actual act of deliverance toward, till, you know, you use that power and authority under Jesus Christ to, you know, rid yourself of that possession. And those demons have no choice but to recognize that authority under Jesus Christ of Nazareth and they have to listen. Okay, but back to that, you know, if you say you have an issue with anxiety, right? And everything is perfectly fine, right? Everything in your life's going fine. Your kids are fine. Your husband or wife is fine. You know, everything's fine. But you just find yourself waking up with, you know, these feelings of anxieties, right? Or you're waking up angry, right? Or you're waking up wanting to just drink or wanting to use drugs or wanting to smoke or if you have issues with lust or pornography, you just wake up and you just want to look at porn. There's no stimulant. There's no stimulant at all because you're just waking up. But you want to do these things, right? There's, you know, those, whatever is in your head's telling you, hey, you know, let's do whatever, you know, like, like I said, your sin is. That is the best way I'd probably have to um, divide the two between flesh, you know, because we... There is, like I said, fl flesh we have to deal on our own. You know, the demons and everything, God can cast them out. But us as Christians, we need to show discipline, you know, in some things. So I can't be like, okay, well, God fix my flesh too. No, that's part of self-discipline. You know what I'm saying? We're filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to convict ourselves. We need to, you know, like the Bible says, die in our flesh daily. We need to deny ourselves of these things <clears throat> that kept us in bondage or that slow us down as Christians. So that'd be the best way, I would say, um, to separate it. You know, like I said, if there's like no stimulant, like say you wake up, you know, you wake up and you're feeling whatever that feeling is that you just want to do something, right? There's no stimulant. There's nothing looking at you in the eyes, tempting you, tempting, you know, your physical body, but you just want to do that sin. Then it's, you know, very possible that, you know, you might have, you know, some sort of demons lurking in you. That doesn't mean, you know, you're like going to be like the exorcist or, you know, you're fully possessed. You know, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, your body cannot be controlled, but it can be manipulated and oppressed and influenced, you know, with Satan and his, his little minions over there. So, and I'm probably going to talk about this again because, I mean, we're going on 30 some minutes. And like I said in part one, this is going to take a while. And I'm pretty sure there's stuff that I wanted to go over that I'm probably going to think about after I'm done with this recording. So I'll probably touch up on it, you know, um, later on. Because it is, it is, um, you know, like I said, something that's going to be very new to a lot of people. Something that, you know, people never knew that was even a gift and authority we have under, you know, Jesus' name. Because it's never talked about. I don't, like I said, I mean, I have I'm an idea why. Um you know, because whoever's, a, whoever's, I mean, there's got to be some sort of, you know, demonic agents working there that when people just don't want to believe in the gifts, like, okay, it happened in the Bible. Okay. We don't do that anymore. You know, and you're trying to just fight, you know, excuse me, hat and foot to deny the gifts. Um, so, you know, and Satan has his influence on everything, you know, it could be, you know, a demon that's causing people to not want I mean, because demons don't want to come out. So if you hear someone talking about it, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, that's false. That's false. You know, you're going to get a reaction, some sort of weird demon manifest. And it sounds crazy, but it's true. 
you're gonna get some weird feeling you know when you hear someone talking about that and so i could could be and it probably does make people a lot of ner- very nervous so you know a lot of churches you know are worried about you know keeping people in the seats um, keeping the offering coming so they start talking about demons and demon oppression and casting out demons that'll probably scare a good part of the uh, you know the congregation um like i said i'm going to go over more of this later on because this is a lot and this is easily the longest uh, podcast i've made i could probably keep going on but i'm not going to so with that be blessed be encouraged um i'll probably hopefully try to get something out another episode out in about a week or so um but until then you know god bless y'all god bless your families keep praying keep fasting, keep reading your Bible, be bold. I'll see y'all later.